one of the most beautiful songs in the Bible, has the theme of vindication. We're going to talk about it on this episode of Inverse. Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. Hey guys, we're in the book of Deuteronomy, and in the studio we have Israel, Sebastian, and Callie, and we are in episode 12. We're looking at chapter 32. Hey guys. Hi. And we're looking at uh, the Song of Moses, the Song of Moses. Have mm -hmm. you guys heard the Song of Moses? I have. We don't have the music to it. I've heard a version nope. of it. Okay, oh, cool. I'm not, I'm not it's not on though. Spotify. Very cool, very cool. Not singing it. Um, this, the, 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 when, when the Bible uses <laughs> music, I mean, it's a, it's a powerful carrier, a powerful motif, and there's, there's, there's reason behind it. So let's have a word of prayer. Sebastian can pray for us and we'll read chapter 32 afterwards. Yes, sir. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we invite your spirit to abide with us and to do what Jesus promised that he would do, which is to guide us into all truth. We pray that we may see you in these very words and Father, that we may be comforted amen. in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Israel chapter 32 of Deuteronomy verse 35. To 39, please. Vengeance is mine and recompense. Their foot shall slip in due time. For the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things to come hasten upon them. For the Lord will judge his people and have compassion on his servants when he sees that their power is gone, and there is no one remaining bond or free. He will say, Where are their gods, the rock in which they sought refuge? Great, thanks. Callie, um, describe the role of music in your life. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was a, I wasn't expecting that one. <laughs> I can um, describe the role of music in my life. <laughs> <You're> gonna, <laughs> no, okay. Uh, the, role, <laughs> the role of music in my life is um, very encouragement focused. Yes. Um, I especially, I'm actually, uh, I'm kind of shunned by some of my friends on these conversations. I'm glad Jonathan isn't on this episode uh, because I don't listen to music that op mm. often, actually. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not someone, I don't listen to it when I exercise. I don't listen to it when I'm driving, but I listen to it when I'm really, really happy mm. and I listen to it when I'm really, really sad. Okay. Um, and Does your emotions dictate what music you listen to? Yeah, in a, in a way, um, not usually, when I when I'm really happy, it matches kind of my mood. But when I'm really sad, I listen to more like sometimes more melancholy, but melancholy praise okay. of like you're just remembering the truths of God and remembering what is true and remembering what is contrary to maybe what you're feeling or experiencing. Okay. Um, mm. Yeah, that's what I listen to music for most of the okay. time. Okay, okay. I was going to move on, but Israel also volunteered. He was going to share. So okay, Israel. Yeah. Yeah. Too bad. You got to tell us now. Tell us about yeah. the mighty. No, I. <laughs> <laughs> you got to tell. I like the song called Under the Sea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, um, no, I think it's very much the same. I never. Those of you didn't catch it, it's a Disney reference to a character in Little Mermaid named Sebastian, and our friend that. is named Sebastian, so he's actually um, becoming a good steward of relationships with your friend. Amen. <laughs> he likes that song. He, it's one of his favorite songs. He's memorized it. Yes. Yeah. So you know, right. So yeah, to me, music music uh, never played a huge role. Like in Kelly's situation, I never okay. put oh, it in the car all the time. We do. We have something in common. That's wild. Um, I do. I do enjoy. <laughs> Uh, music to me does play a 
form of uh, worship. I do love um, uh, uh, music as a form of worship, and so yeah. I, I actually listen to worship music all the time, no yeah. matter what I'm doing. Well, I'm asking this question. It's not a frivolous question. I mean, when you go to verse 46 of chapter 32, uh, it uh, says, And he said to them, Set your hearts on all the words which I testify among you today, which you shall command your children to, to be careful to observe all the words of this law. And in that entire chapter, you had this song of Moses. Mm -hmm. And it was composed, hey, you got to memorize this, put this to song, sing it. This is kind of a make this a memorial experience for all the entire nation. If, if anything, maybe that maybe like an almost an anthem kind of level of a song. Right. So not just a regular poem. And there's something powerful about music. It helps you memorize it does. better. Yeah. There are some of the cheesiest scripture songs in the world. I hate the melody, but because but it's so cheesy, them. you know them, and I know <laughs> them, and it's and, and I'm grateful for that cheese. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't say stuff like that, then just like hand over the comment. <laughs> Drop the mic. <laughs> yeah, and I was I was gonna say that a lot of times too in, you know, let's logistical reasons that I can't maybe just sit down and read my Bible, mm. but the music can come back to mind. Mm. But even also emotional times, sometimes when I need the Word of God the most, I just do not feel like having a Bible study. Mm. I don't feel like reading verses. I don't feel like reviewing my Bible memorization. Mm. But the encouragement of Scripture can still come into my soul by music. Mm -hmm. And so it's even another way of like, let's, I feel like God is just like, let me find the easiest way yeah. for you to remember it when you want to, when you don't want to, and yeah. all the times in between, and that is music. Yeah. And yeah. You, have, you, you all have heard of studies out there that music totally bypasses the, the prefrontal cortex and the judgment components of your brain and just goes directly into memory. It mm -hmm. goes into emotive parts of the brain. Yep. So as a powerful helper, it mm -hmm. can be very positive. Yeah. It can also <laughs> be a very negative uh, influence in your Lots life as music well. Lots of music I wish was not there. Um, uh, the, all the Psalms are, were originally music, mm -hmm. uh, musically oriented. I, I'm just kind of curious why the music itself was not preserved, but the words were. I know the words have more power, but mm -hmm. sometimes I'm, I am curious on how, you know, how it sounded. Psalms 119, the longest psalm in the, in, in how that sounded. I'm just yeah. curious. Kelly. Well, I was going to say, I know that's kind of a rhetorical question, but a thought I have too is that music does change mm. in cultures and throughout time that there is some music that I've heard that people have kind of been like we think this is the kind of music that like Jesus would have heard yes. like around and I'm like I don't Weird. I don't like it yeah. <laughs> like I wouldn't listen to yeah, it yeah, yeah. and so it's also just yeah preserving because we can still like you said the words are what's important and so we can use more relevant or more catchy uh, melodies that are more meaningful to us mm -hmm. and so it's also like take the important part and then change it as you want to mm -hmm. help it be preserved and, yeah. and even to it's build good, good off point. of yeah. you know not to get into the etymology of the word but even the concept of amuse right in reflecting on something and it's what we say like oh you're going to muse on this thing mm -hmm. and you're you're literally taking some time to digest it and that's kind of how r music typically works for me is to have it in the background of what I'm doing, right? Which is helping to really concentrate and focus on what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So if I'm working, I like to listen to certain types of soft ambient type music, right? Or if I need something more a beat or if I'm exercising. Uh, but to me, outside of situations where I need this, I don't need this background information, then music wouldn't serve. And I feel like worship above all things is the place that I want to have most encased in a sense in my mind that m my thoughts and my emotions and everything is focused on God. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing about producing it or singing, right, or participating in praises, my body is also participating. Mm -hmm. So now there is a an anatomical, there's my emotional, my intellectual, my spiritual is all involved in that. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I feel like there's a whole person 
experience and engaging in music as worship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in our modern times we have, you know, we have music everywhere, we have apps, we have streaming services, we got music everywhere. But back then, uh, music was a lot more rare and used on special occasions, especially yep. it was used during wartime. Mm -hmm. uh, music was to rally the troops and kind of like their fight song, a literal fight song. Absolutely. Today we have, you know, our My Fight song. But here, Song Moses comes in, in, into play and, and here's where we're getting into the details. We'll, we'll, we'll cover some other parts, but then the part that Israel read is talking about let the Lord fight for you, right? You know, yep. and a lot of their fight songs like, you know, I will empower myself. I'm going to stand up and no matter what happens, I'm going to ever hurt all. And, you know, and we want to be inspired and we want to become a Nike commercial or whatever. But forget that. God's going to be your God. Yes. And this is kind of the conclusion. But um, and that's sort of the vengeance is mine. We're going to get to vengeance. But I want to ask you, jump ball question in chapter 32. Any other other parts in chapter 32 that, that you as you skim over that you that, that you want to highlight, Sebastian? In verse 36. Verse 36 of chapter 32. Of chapter 32. Yes. He says, For the Lord will judge his people and have compassion on his servants when he sees that their power is gone mm. and there is no one remaining bond or free. Mm. So this, this to me speaks to the fact that also connected to a song is experience. Mm. And this is why, you know, going to Callie's point, listening to a song at a certain emotional mood the song is speaking to her not just because of the melody, right, but because the melody is matching the narrative that the song is portraying mm -hmm. and the message that is portraying. And so in so many ways here, who hasn't been in a situation where they felt like their power was gone? Mm -hmm. Who has not been in a situation like that? Mm -hmm. We've all been in the situation. We've had an experience like that. Mm -hmm. And so God is essentially saying that he's going to have compassion on his servants when he sees that their power is gone. So when we know that I don't have it left, I'm in a situation where I feel like I'm fighting for my life mm. or I'm struggling with everything I have and it just seems like I'm barely moving an inch in my situation, mm -hmm. the song, the experience is speaking to me to basically let me know that this can also be my experience mm -hmm. if I reach out to God in faith and trust him as the song of Moses is encouraging me to do. Mm -hmm. This is what the Lord is going to do and this is going to be your experience as I listen to it at the same time. Amen. Amen. Kelly. Something else that sticks out, which I think Sebastian has just touched on, is just that it's a narrative mm. and it tells the story. And it's it's almost like at this point we're like, we get it. Okay, we know. We know the story. <laughs> we brought you, brought you out of Egypt. You were bad. I forgave you. And we're here. Like, we know. But even that brings brings hope. Um, there's, there's another song uh, called Four Days Late, which is about uh, when Lazarus dies and Jesus raises him from the dead. And the, the point of that song is talking about when, when Jesus is four days late he's still on time mm -hmm. um, and yeah. and that narrative it doesn't say and now you can always trust him when there are delays in your life and da -da -da. it just tells the story mm. but it tells me that every time I hear the chorus I remember it and like it makes me cry <laughs> of just like even when I think like Jesus you're late you're late for what I asked you to do but even when Jesus is late you're still on time and so that narrative comforts me and even this narrative of remembering what you've been through remembering how you went astray and I brought you back and there's always more grace and there's blessings and the curses like there's yep. just remembering the context and not just the conclusions of the context amen amen 
Israel. It's, it's a song of history, and notice how it begins. It's talking about the, the greatness of God. It says, Hear, O earth, verse... Uh, Where are you? Verse th chapter 32, verse 1. Verse, oh, verse 1, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it says, Hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Uh, let my teaching drop as a rain, my speech distill as a dew. Verse name, 3 of chapter 32. Yeah. Yes, okay. For I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness unto our God. It's a song about the goodness and the greatness of God, a history detailing how great God has been. And then if you skip verse... Verse 7, to skip, skip to verse 7, it says, Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he will show you. Your elders and they will tell you. What are they going to tell you? They're going to tell you about the goodness and the greatness of God. And that's kind of the basis mm. upon which he builds. And he begins to tell the story of how great God has been to them. Amen. So this is uh, old uh, truths in the narrative of, their, of the nation and passed down through music from generation to generation. Mm -hmm. We're going to take a break right now. But when we come back, we're going to look at how... How does vengeance work into the Song of Moses? So stay with us. Has Inverse been a blessing to you? Do you have questions, comments, or feedback you'd like to leave us? Find us on social media by searching Inverse Bible on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. While there, join us, like us, heart us, thumbs up us. Our handle again is Inverse Bible, no spaces. Now, back to the discussion. Welcome back. We're in the Song of Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 32, Israel. Another part that really impacts uh, me is as he's recounting the story of Israel, he uses the imagery of, of, of different elements. One mm -hmm. of the elements that he uses is the one of, uh, of the eagle. Mm -hmm. And it says in mm -hmm. verse uh, 11, as an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them, carrying them on its wings, so the Lord alone led him. So he's kind of talking about the history of, of Israel and how God was good to Israel, mm -hmm. how God was good you know, to Jacob as an individual, changing his name to Israel, then good to them as a nation, and, and so forth and so on. And he uses this imagery of, of, of the majesty of the eagle and what the eagle will do to protect its own and how the eagle behaves with the stern of its nest mm -hmm. and so forth and so on and essentially what he's doing is he's recalling or causing the Israelites to recall the goodness of God mm. in beautiful imagery that portrays how God is kind, how God treats, has treated them as a father treats uh, um, his children. Mm -hmm. And he's using all this to lay up the foundation that says, look, I love you. I have always loved you. I've loved you in ways that you could not understand. I loved you when you acted like fools. I loved you when <laughs> you went astray. I love you when uh, you know you betrayed me with another God I've always loved you and this is the foundation for the rest of the psalm so how so it sets it up by it sets it up by talking about the fact that because God has done all these things in the past mm -hmm. then whatever challenges that we're going through because it seems like they're going through challenges right. in the future they're going to be experiencing challenges then God says look you, I've carried you in the past when you have these challenges with other nations, with other people, with other relationships, remember then that vengeance is mine. I will take care of your future mm -hmm. just as I've taken care of your past. Mm -hmm. I will take care of your struggles just as I've taken care of your struggles in the past. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Amen. 
No, I love this apex of, of in verse 35, and the vengeance is mine and recompense. Mm -hmm. We see that in later in the New Testament, mm -hmm. and kind of diametrical to, to God's character, right? Hey, forgive each other, seven mm -hmm. times 70, but he talks about vengeance. How do we, how do we reconcile those two factors? Well, I think Jesus' life is a very good picture of how those things come together because you have in, you know, in the same chapter, like John chapter 2 or John chapter 8, where he's like at a wedding and celebrating and helping them continue celebrating. And then he's flipping tables, right? And right. saying, you know, don't make my father's house a house of merchandise. And in chapter 8, he's like, you know, this woman, you know, he that was out sin cast the first stone. And then he's like, you are of your father, the devil, right? And the desires <laughs> of your father you will do. So here you see that Christ is always responsive to the repentant, right? To the poor in spirit, to the people who, who, who are cognizant of their need of God and of their condition versus those who stubbornly dig in to their own self-righteousness and refuse to buckle to the reality that you are in need of grace. Mm. You are in need of healing and help and help and that you are broken this is where this comes in and ultimately he leads to the parable of the persistent widow who's trying to get justice but the people that god has appointed to bring that justice refuse to step in mm. so then he says the comfort for you as a person who's praying and looking for that type of justice is that jesus he says he will avenge his people speedily mm. so christ is going to take care of it and and this is a a huge thing that he's bringing to them in terms of the oppression they may go through and the things that may happen. He's like, I'm going to take care of your enemies. And it takes you all the way back to the beginning of Genesis, right? With Abraham and saying, I will bless those that bless you and I will curse those that curse you. Mm. So God is saying, listen, let me take care of your name. Let me take care of your safety. I will handle that. And, and, and this is where Christ shows he protects the weak and those being taken advantage of, even in the New Testament. Well, why do you think Moses uh, goes to, to vengeance at the end of the song? I, I appreciate uh, uh, Israel's point of God recalling the, the past and the history and how God will take care of you and God will carry you. Then he goes into almost some, some prophetic elements, but he kind of concludes on vengeance's mind. Like why mm -hmm. he kind of ends on, on that note. So why does he do that? Well, I, I think if you if you look at the, the broader context, right, Right, in terms of the great controversy, to me, again, right, as we've as we, you know, look at the book of Deuteronomy, not just in its original context, but what it says to us even in future generations and the prophetic significance of the things happening. They're on the border of a physical promised land. Mm. We believe prophetically we're on the borders of a spiritual, real promised land, right? The antitype, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So when we look at this vengeance, at the end, judgment is a positive thing for the people of God. Mm. So by him ending on this book at the end of not just Deuteronomy, but the whole Torah, the first five books of the Bible, is speaking to almost this sort of end of life and eschatology as well, this end time event, where judgment is not something we should be afraid of. It's not something that we should be intimidated by because judgment is a point, a point and a moment where God is going to bring vengeance, bring justice against those who try to oppress those who served him and wanted to live for him. And that's going to come in our favor. We will be vindicated. Mm -hmm. We will be found right. So that atheist kid, right, that was giving me the business in school, when Jesus cracks that cloud, right, and it rolls up and cracks up like glass and mountains are thrown out of their places, I will be found to be right. Mm -hmm. God is going to vindicate you in those moments. And anyone who's ever doubted the message and the authority by which you were sent to carry the gospel. Mm -hmm. the, the biggest the challenges that we have in life 
we always ask the question, God, don't you care? Don't you see? Mm. You know, and, and the disciples who were nearest to Christ, right? I mean, Jesus is in the boat with the disciples in a don't storm. Don't you care that we're drowning? And they're like, hey, right. don't, you, don't you see what's going on? Don't you yeah. care? Um, and, and, mm. and essentially what, what the song is telling us is, is reminding us of the fact that in the times in which we think God cannot see or God does not care, I'm going to take care of it. Just wait and see. I've done it a million times in the past. Mm. You know, even though you thought I didn't care then, I showed you I cared. And and you have this tendency to forget. You're going to forget again the future. Mm. So I'm giving you this song to remember so that in the mm. times of difficulty and trial, you right. can recount on the past to realize that in the future, God will take care of every time you thought he did not care about you. Amen. You guys have experiences of, 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 of injustice in your life? And, and, and just to illustrate your point, Israel, have you... And, and, and understand God's timing of things. Uh, injustice is something that we see in society very prevalent today. Right. And it's it's not about whether you're going to react or not, but it's about the timing of things. Right? Yes. Is it swift? Yeah. Is it too long? Timing is often the question, not whether justice is served or not. Yeah. True. Uh, yeah. No. There was there was there was a time professionally where uh, I was at work, and in my in my uh, office context. Um, you know, some things were done where I felt I was being treated unfairly. Mm. And I felt that there was no way for me to resolve this. You know, no way for me to get out of this. Like if I speak for myself, then I'm defending myself. That means I'm, I'm an error. You look but, guilty. Yeah, yeah, I look guilty. But, but I don't have any friends to defend me, right? But I have nowhere to go. Like I can't quit my job because I have a religion degree. You know, what am I going to do, right? I can't do anything. It's like useless, right? And so there's nothing in this life. My religion degree is useless. So you guys who are religion majors out there, it's okay. Okay. Take heart. Happy, take heart. God <laughs> is with you. It's not serious. Vengeance, no, vengeance is the serious. Lord's. Yeah. He'll defend you. He'll defend you. Yeah. And if you're studying religion, get away right now. <laughs> yeah. no, and and um, you know there there was nothing there was nothing that I can do to escape the situation. Mm. And I remember sitting down in my room, weeping and thinking to myself, like God, why did you bring me here? Mm. Like I didn't ask to be here. You know, I was here clearly on your direction and your instruction. I didn't even want to come when you told me to come. Like why would you do this to me? And and in that moment, you know, I, I felt as though I had been abandoned and I felt as though God had left me. And, and I remember him saying to me, look, surrender yourself to me. I haven't let you down. Like, why are you crying? Like, have I let you down already? Have you been mm. fired? Have you lost your job? Have right. you died? Like, why are you acting as though that calamity is here? Mm. And it wasn't until years later than that people uh, that these problems were resolved. Mm. And then I looked back and I said and I said to myself, the one who was blessed the most in the situation in the situation was actually me because I surrendered first hmm. and these other individuals had to surrender later. And so that was one case in which I fought God back and forth, back and forth. He had patience with me and then he led me uh, ultimately to the to the fulfillment of this very thing in my life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Sebastian. Yeah, I remember, you know, being falsely accused of of cheating on this uh, calculus exam um, in college. Oh my freshman year in college and my professor, um, I was the only minority in the class. And I'm, I typically, when I'm thinking, I look up, right? And I'm kind of just visualizing the problem in my mind. It just helps me think better that way. And so the professor just comes and takes my test. And she's like, I need to talk to you in the hallway. And I'm like, what? And she's like, hey, I saw you looking on this other person's I'm like, look at his test and compare my test. You'll know that we, I was not cheating off of his test. She's like, nope, I saw you, this, that, and the third. And so I'm like discouraged, like, dude, there's only three exams in this Cal class. Like, if you fail one, you don't pass the class. 
And so I was like, succumbing to this is basically succumbing to failure of the class, my first semester in college. Mm -hmm. So I end up going to the, the math department dean and um, we had this whole thing with the professor and she's like, no, nah, I saw him cheating, <laughs> right, all this stuff. And so the dean is just like, well, Sebastian, you know, you're, this is your first semester, so we don't even have a history, right, to know um, mm -hmm. exactly, you know, how we can trust you or not. Yeah. And so I was like, well, then what do you want me to do? And at the time, I didn't know God. I was just about to come to that point in college where I was going to um, come to know about the Lord. But in that moment, I walked out of the office and I remember coming home and frustrated. And I was talking to my dad about it. And my dad is like, listen, you have to accept the fact that sometimes in life you can do the right thing and still lose. And that's a hard thing to accept, right? You didn't do anything wrong, but you still lost. Mm. And he didn't know it, but just that piece of advice gave me a certain level of peace to accept the fact that, hey, listen, this happens to all, right? By chance and, you know, this happens to all people. And so going back into the situation, I went back into the registrar, I had to drop the class, the whole nine. And right as I was coming in, she said, oh, there's a note on your account, go see the dean. So I go to the dean and the dean says, oh, I actually called your high school professor. And I mean, not professor, but your principal mm. at your high school. Mm. And they were saying, oh, yeah, Sebastian was a National Honor Society student and blah, 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 blah. There's no way he would have cheated on an exam. Mm. And so be, which is out of the ordinary for the dean of the college, the oh, mathematics to call my principal. Right. But she said she was so moved in her mind, like this kid just seems so convinced that he didn't cheat on the exam. And just in that moment, she's like, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to wave this class completely off your transcript. We're going to, it's like it never happened, right? And just go ahead and take this class and we'll give you partial credit towards your credits, right? And apologize and everything. And I was like in shock, right? Because in that moment, you're like so angry, you feel downtrodden, you feel like the world is against you. And then to come out on the other side and to realize like, dude, I was vindicated. Like, mm. You start walking with your chest out, right? You're like telling everybody, yo, man, the professor thought she was going to get me. And, <laughs> and this is what I imagine God is setting up his people for, yeah. right? We're going to be looking at the devil and, you know, it's like, you thought you were going to get me, bro. But you know, Jesus verse 43 through. experience, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and right? render vengeance to his adversaries. He'll provide atonement for his land and his people. people. Amen. He'll be rejoicing that day. Well, praise the Lord. We believe in a God who, who vindicates us. He is in the business of vindicating. And for that to happen, we have to remember our history, how God has blessed us, how God has created us. God has been with us the entire route. Our problem is we keep forgetting. We are knuckleheads and we need to be circumcised of the heart to remember the goodness of God. This is our prayer to keep remembering God's goodness and God's power and wait on His timing for things. And that's our prayer for you guys out there. Thanks for, thanks for joining us here at Inverse. We want to encourage you to continue studying the book of Deuteronomy by downloading Bible study guides at inversebible.org or listening to our podcasts or going on social media and letting us know how, where you are in the conversation and where you are in your study of Deuteronomy. We'll see you next week as we go to the last episode of the book of Deuteronomy. God bless you.
You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Callie Williams, Israel Ramos, Jonathan Walter, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. Inverse is brought to you by the Hope Channel, television that changes lives. For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag Inverse Bible. Until next time, this is Inverse.